thank you very much for accepting us all. And uh, thank you very much, Andy, for letting me, letting me loose this morning because um, <laughs> I count it a real privilege, actually, and an honour to share with you, and particularly about this subject, being holy. When Andy first said that, I thought, oh, no, that's about... I mean, as I look out on you, I see that you all know much more about holiness than I could ever share with you. So... Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that we shall gain something from this letter. I hope you have got a Bible in front of you because I want you to see it a little bit like... Oh, am I going? Um, and, uh, Andy has chosen to go through this letter from Peter. And uh, do you often get posts these days? I mean, post is sort of a bit of a rarity, isn't it? When a, when a handwritten letter pops through my door, I think, oh, that's nice, because it's all emails and WhatsApps and texts and, you know, they're lovely and they're immediate, but there's something about a letter. It feels like it's come from someone who's really thought about things. And I want us to see this letter as that, because Peter was writing, as Andy reminded us last week, to the exiles or the scattered saints. They were scattered because of persecution. So you've got this new church. Imagine all of us, and there's a persecution comes, and we all have to scatter all around the place. How are they going to survive? And so Peter writes this letter to them, and we have this ancient text. It's really precious. And... Um, we should be reading and reading and overreading. You know, when John first wrote letters to me when we were going out, I, it was the days of letter writing, um, <laughs> and we were separated for a bit, <clears throat> I kept them. I still have them in my drawer, and every now and again I get them out and I reread them. Probably not enough, but um, <laughs> rereading letters is what it's all about. And Andy was encouraging us to just read through this letter from Peter every week and just sit with it. I've been doing that for this particular passage, um, well, for the last week or so. And um, to start with, I thought, oh, this is a little bit hard going. But as I've sat with it, I've discovered real gems. So I want to share about three of them with you. Um, and we'll see where we get to. Let's hope we uh, do. Uh, let's hope I can get this around myself. I think the real problem with... I'm hoping this is going to work. The real problem with being holy is... Uh, is this going to work? It feels like... If we're, it's not doesn't feel like an exciting adventure. It feels more like God wagging his finger at us. Can we get this to work or not? No. Never mind. You know this lady in the courtroom. I love watching these programs. <laughs> and <clears throat> when I think of that uh, verse, be holy for I am holy, which is like the central verse of this little passage, it all too easily can feel like God is wagging his finger because... <clears throat> I don't know how many of you feel like me. I identify with the guy coming into the back of the church 
thinking, God be merciful to me, a sinner, rather than the guy up at the front saying, look at everything I've done, Lord, you must accept me, I'm absolutely brilliant. Do you remember that story Jesus told? How many of you would identify with the guy at the back? Yeah. Well, actually, we're supposed to. So don't feel bad about that. (laughs) Be holy, for I am holy, says Peter, reminding them of something that's already in the Bible several times, and it comes in the context of a load of rules in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. I've only got the new here. But in Leviticus, you get at least three times lots of rules, and uh, Moses, uh, through God, saying, God, through Moses, saying to people, you must obey these rules because you must be holy people. I'm holy, and you must be like me. I mean, that's an impossible standard, isn't it? How can we ever attain? It's like God setting us up for failure. That's not such a good feeling. So my first thing that I want to share with you is how the original people who this was written to would have received this. And it's all to do with the words. Now, some of you will know this. Let me just see what I've got next. Oh, here we are. Um, I love words. I'm very aware that words change their meanings. We're all aware of that, aren't we? If we were born two centuries ago, I might well have said, oh, I feel happy and gay today. You probably wouldn't be saying that in the 21st century and meaning the same thing. Words change their meanings over time. And the word holy has become for many people probably today akin to something like this, perfect, righteous, pure, it's all good. There is a slight negative tinge to the phrase holier than thou. You wouldn't want to be called holier than thou when you get outside the church because people feel uncomfortable about that and it's not something you would aspire to. But how did the first people in the Old Testament, because the Hebrew word for holy is kadosh, and I have not learned Hebrew, but I am indebted to my friend Robert Young, who is my favorite uh, person in my study, has written a great big book where he's gone through every word in the Bible and noted down what it means and what it means from the original. I love that. Uh, Hebrew, kadosh, Greek, which the, uh, which the letter of 1 Peter was written in, is hagios. And this is what it means, set apart. Set apart for God. Set apart for God who is holy. In fact, the fact that God is holy is repeated by the angels when they sing holy, holy, holy in Isaiah, repeated by the people around the throne in Revelation, holy, holy, holy. When anything is repeated in the Bible, it's really emphasized. The holiness of God is the thing that we really need to take note of. 
That's why we don't use his name lightly. Certainly not as an exclamation mark. The holy God. Holy. But holy means set apart. God is apart from us. He is absolutely pure and holy. That's what makes him God. But he says, be holy to us. Be set apart. You see, it can't just mean moral. Because the first time we read holy in the Bible, it's about a day. The Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Then we find Moses seeing a bush that's burning. And he sees the burning bush and approaches because it's not being burnt up. And God says, this is holy ground. And then he tells, um, he tells Moses to build the tabernacle and put in tables and lampstands and goodness knows what. And they're all to be holy See, you can't have a holy, you can't have a moral table and a righteous bit of ground. The thing is, it's set apart for God. And we are to be set apart from God. This is the one thing I want us to realize. And this is what I think Peter was saying to the people who were scattered and who were um, feeling isolated, alone, bereft, and persecuted. That's not comfortable. He was saying, be holy because God is holy. And being holy means you're going to be different. You're set apart. So don't be surprised if people don't like you because we like people who are like us. And if you're not like them, they may not like you. And don't be surprised if you feel uncomfortable because there's something in us that wants to merge and conform and be the same. And it's not comfortable feeling, I can't do that when I'm in the office and everybody's going down a route that is unholy, frankly. The jokes and all the rest of it. So if you set yourself apart for God, you're going to be different. People will call your good evil. They will call us homophobic. They will call us hypocritical. Our responsibility is to make sure that we are not unholy in that. But don't be surprised. So the first thing is, remember, being holy is all about being different, and it won't be comfortable. We need each other because life could well be uncomfortable. The second thing is this. It's all to do with family. Be holy, for I am holy. Now, if you look in your uh, letter here, you'll see, oh dear, my eyes are not good with this light, but verse 14, it says, as obedient children. We are children of a father. And the Father has taken us out of the courtroom where Judge Judy was, (laughs) out of the courtroom into the family home. That makes a difference. Because if God is holy and he's our Father, as his children, we need to take after him. When our son David was... um, about three, 
uh, we gave him a Christmas present of a Fisher-Price um, medical set. I think we had aspirations that he might one day be a doctor. Anyway, he opened it up. He was very pleased, opened the little plastic uh, box, and inside were all the sort of plastic and rubber uh, stethoscope and a hammer. I don't know why they put hammer anyway, but apparently doctors use hammers. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> all those little things. He took them all out, looked at them, put them on one side, and I thought, oh, he doesn't look as if he's interested in that. And then he shut the case, picked it up, and walked around looking as pleased as Punch. And we said, do you like your present? And he said, oh, I just walked around with the case. And after a while, I thought, he's trying to be like his daddy. Because, you see, every morning after breakfast, he'd see his daddy pick up his briefcase and walk out. And then in the evening, he came in with his briefcase. And he was trying to be like... All of a sudden, I can be like my daddy. Like father, like son. We take after our father. That's what this is all about. So if you look in, on, in verse 17, you'll see, since you call on a father who judges. We're not calling on the judge of all the earth. We're calling the judge who is our Father. And the Father has things to say to us. I'm just going to reattach my microphone because I think I'm going off. But uh, perhaps at the back you could put on the next picture. How many of you watched the... Here we are. Oh, I don't know. I'm going really... I might have to use this. There we are. How many of you watched the funeral of the late queen, many of us did. And I don't know if, like me, you were amazed at the way Prince George and his young sister, Princess Charlotte, were um, so well-behaved. I mean, they didn't seem to put a foot wrong for a very long time. Weren't they incredible? Uh, I thought, if that had been my children, let's go on to the next picture. <laughs> That's what I would have been afraid of, in front of how many millions and millions of people who were watching it on TV. But uh, no, we had some very well-behaved children in front of us. And I fell to thinking, I wonder how much work that took at home. I mean, I guess they will have sat them down for an intentional period and said, you are a prince in the realm, and princes do not pick their noses in public. Do not whine and ask for computer games because the sermon is really boring, and they want to just go on your phone and do all the things that they do on your phone. They do not have a tantrum. So you will not have a tantrum. You will stand and look well-dressed and solemn as befits the occasion. I mean, how did they do that? I don't know. We can only imagine. What I do take from it is this, that that is what good parents do, so that they, what they do at home, so that their children behave well when they're out. And then you hope they carry it home. Um, 
That is what we should learn as children of the Heavenly Father. This is like home. This is where God has us all together and in honesty and humility, we need to be real about where we're at and what we're struggling with because he will do the work with us. And the wonderful thing is that he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us put aside the things that we don't need. Now, when we talk about holiness, we probably immediately think of the Ten Commandments. And I don't know, I'm going to... Is this all right? Okay, we think of the Ten Commandments, and most of us probably, I mean, looking at you all, I expect you're all thinking, well, I, don't mur- I haven't murdered anybody this week, and I haven't stolen anything from my neighbor, and I haven't um, you know, committed adultery, I hope you haven't. That's not a good thing. No, I'm not. Oops, sorry. Can I go on to this? Can I use that? Oh, now I've got to have three hands. But what Paul talked... Ah, here we are. Thank you very much at the back. By the way, aren't the people at the back behind that board amazing? Uh, Give them a clap. Thank you for turning up really early and doing things that probably none of us could even begin to deal with. Um, Verse... I'm looking for the verse. It will be stronger on here. Oh, no. Oh, the light is better here altogether. The things which Peter points out in chapter 2, verse 1, are these. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Peter, writing to the believers, doesn't point out the Ten Commandments. He points out things which are basically heart attitudes that are wrong. They're all things that we could look quite respectable about, but harbor in our hearts. And this is one of the things I've been living with this week, because I've been thinking... (laughs) As a vicar's wife, I look quite respectable, and I know that other people think I'm probably quite good. Only I know what's going on in my heart. Only I know the things that I think about other people. I can be quite civil to someone, but in my heart, I'm thinking quite murderously about them. Some of you maybe know that feeling. Hypocrisy. You see, I can turn up to church and look as if I'm praying and be thinking about something else or going home and finding it really difficult to pray Monday to Saturday and just look holy on Sunday. Deceit. These aren't nice things. But I know that there is deceit in me. I don't know about you, but I try to put across something that I have to hide. And Peter is saying, 
we need to deal with the things in our hearts and we need to deal with them at home here before God our Father and with our brothers and sisters helping us pray if we can't do it on our own. Because you see, Peter says, get rid of them. Get rid of those things. Get rid of them. And if we can't do it on our own, we have each other. Because where two or three pray, that's why we say there's a ministry team here. If you want to pray over something, that's one of the things that we can do. I need to get a couple more people on my side to pray that I will have the strength not to do these things. And frankly, because some of them become almost addictive. There are addictions all over the place uh, that aren't the obvious addictions. And uh, our phones are at the root of some of them. And we need help to get rid of them. Because what Peter says is we need to be like our father. We need to take after him. We need to do the things he does. And we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Now let me see if I can get another picture. It's a little bit like this. If, if that vase was a person with water, the water of the Holy Spirit, a Christian person, but there are all sorts of stones, malice, deceit, envy, hypocrisy, slander, not nice things that we bring into our life from circumstances, from the way we've just been copying other people who we shouldn't be copying, all those things. They gum up our life. We need to get rid of them. And then, as it says in Ephesians 5.18, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing thing because I won't get rid of all of those stones in one go. I will probably get rid of them one at a time. Every time I get rid of something, I need to be saying, Lord, fill me with your Spirit again. And in fact, every morning I try to say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today because there are things in my life that I've now got rid of I need to be refilled. Peter goes on to say, because those things don't taste good. They taste good to start with, but they don't taste good afterwards. And he talks about this in, if you look, in the context of being newborn babies. We are born again into his kingdom. And as newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, which is the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus who is himself pure in our lives. I don't know whether I can get this. Uh, Let's just see if we can get this going. Can you help me at the back? I know Andy had a really helpful video last week on Brother Andrew, and I'm going a little bit from the sublime to the ridiculous because I was sent this no, it's not going to work, is it? Something is working, but it's only working in part. Let's see if we can get it going another time. That is... Oh, here is our little grandson, Jack. Who comes to this, Jack? And he, can you take the sound off, and then I will do a commentary? Celery. Let's try celery, Jack. You've been enjoying your pure, pure milk from your mother. 
it's good. Uh, oh, no, I don't think it's that good. But I'll try it again. Oh, no. <laughs> In fact, it makes you sick. Now, I know some of you think celery's of the devil. Uh, <laughs> but, but when I saw that, I thought, that is actually how Peter is saying we should become. You see, he's not like that when he's receiving the milk that he's had since he was born. He's absolutely at ease, at peace, and joy when he receives that. Now someone has come along and said, try celery. Try the celery of malice. Try the celery of deceit. You could get away with this. And so he thinks, oh, I'll try that. Oh, yes. Oh, no. It tastes disgusting. We've got to ask the Lord to change our tastes and appetites. And when we ask the Lord to change our tastes and appetites, he will give us the taste for holy things. Because that's what Peter says, be like newborn babies craving pure spiritual milk. Now, I'm going to, that is my second point. It's a family likeness thing. And here is my final point, and I'm just going to finish with it very quickly. Is that all right, Andy? Um, Because as you look at these verses, thank you for helping me at the back. As you look at these verses, you see that there's an awful lot about Jesus. Jesus is the pure, pure one who has given his life, the pure lamb. Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And here's my third point, and it's all to do with infection. We have had a bit of a a lesson in the world about infection in the last uh, couple of years, if you put the picture on. And it's all about staying apart from people. The way to keep infection down is to keep apart That's what we know. As long as I can keep away from you, I won't get your COVID. It's not been a a fun time, has it? Most of us have discovered that actually it's more fun being closer to people. (laughs) In the Old Testament, God had to teach his people about infection. And so all the laws that you find in Leviticus go something like this. Stay away from dead animals, don't touch them. Don't touch people who have running sores, you might get it. Don't be with people who are doing the wrong things. Stay away from them. It's all this message of staying away from the unholy. And there's something in that. That's a good thing to do. We know that from COVID, those of us who didn't get it. But along comes Jesus, who is at the center of our letter, written in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilling the law and actually, in the event, turning it completely on its head. Because Jesus, the only one who is pure and holy, comes along and touches lepers and they're cleansed. 
not the other way around. Jesus, who is pure and holy, touches women who have bad menstrual blood flow, and they are healed. Jesus, who is pure and holy, goes and has dinner with people who are seen as sinners, and they become believers. Holiness is turned on its head in the New Testament. It's not a case of keeping away from the world. And frankly, I think we've done quite a good job of that as Christians and in the church. You know, we shut the door and we keep ourselves holy in here and then we try and keep away from them when we're out. No, what Peter is saying is be like Jesus, the pure and holy one, who went to the sick, who went to the, those who'd lost their way in life, who went and spent time with them. And because he's holy, he actually is the infectious one to them, not the other way around. That's why you and I constantly need to say and pray, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. I can't do this on my own. On my own, I might get infected by them. But filled with your spirit, I can infect them. And that's what we're looking for, isn't it? That's where holiness becomes quite exciting. That's where holiness becomes an adventure. Because as we go out from this place where we have done the work in our hearts with the Lord and with each other to put ourselves right before God, we go out to the world, we spend time with them, and some of them won't like it. Some of them will walk away and reject us. But some of them will realize we've got something. And they will start asking. They will say, what is this? And you will say, well, it's Jesus. And I can't explain too much more than that, but come along to Alpha at the Nika Cafe, and then you'll find out. (coughs) I've come to the end of my time. Three things from holiness in this chapter in this uh, first chapter of Peter you will be different be like your father be infectious not the other way around and what I want us just to do as we sit in the quiet for a moment if we could do this is to just let the Holy Spirit talk to each one of us each one of us is individuals And by the way, brothers and sisters, this is a holy place because you are holy. (laughs) You won't be saying it like that when you go out there because they don't understand that word. But you are holy because you are your father's child. So let him do any work he wants to do right now this morning. And Jesus, I just want you to pour your Holy Spirit out on us and search our hearts. And if there's anything that the Holy Spirit shows you right now in a relationship that you have with someone that you know is not based on love, and the way you're doing your finances, it's not quite, quite honest. Whatever it is, I mean, each of us is individual. Holy Spirit, 
You be the one to search our hearts. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about something or a relationship that you have, just ask him in your heart to help you to put that right. Say you're sorry. It may be that you want to say something to another brother or sister here afterwards just to confirm that you're going to live slightly differently on this thing. But what I want to ask us all to do is just, as we get rid of those things, we want to ask the Lord to just fill us with his spirit again so that as we go out, we will be a holy infection. So put your hands out in front of you if you, that helps you. Um, to just feel that you're receiving. And Jesus, we're going to try our best, but we can't do it on our own. We so need your Holy Spirit to make us holy. Jesus, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit again. Fill us with your Spirit today. Fill us, Lord. Pour your spirit on us. Thank you, Jesus, that this is what you love to do to make us more and more like your children, your holy children. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.